You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay, or just go to their website at TicketKing.com. Again, that's TheTicketKing.com. Green Bay Packers enjoyed eking out a win over one half of the legendary Tom Brady-Bill Belichick duo last week so much, they figured, what the hell, let's do it again this week with the other portion. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talkin' Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempsis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's It never should have been that close, but winning is better than losing, right? 27-24, oh, oh, overtime. Victory over Belichick and the New England Patriots on Sunday at Lambeau Field. This one was a gold package game, which of course means it was largely a Milwaukee crowd. And you know what? My fellow Milwaukee peeps brought the noise Sunday, which I loved to see. We're here, I guess. Because, you know, look, Gold Package fans get a lot of shit for not being loud enough or being too stuffy or whatever the complaint may be, which, I don't know, I think some of that's kind of overhyped. I don't think that's really the case. Not all the time, anyways. You know, I mean, it's not like, I hate saying this, but it's not like the regular non-Gold Package crowds are that loud a lot of the time either, sadly, you know? Lambo could certainly do better in that regard, kind of overall. Uh, but whatever your thoughts are on that, it's kind of a hot-button topic, I know. Milwaukee was heard in this one, so great work, everyone. Give yourselves a pat on the back. The late start and some alcohol, or maybe a lot of alcohol, probably helped get the crowd amped. And speaking of booze, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. <laughs> your boy Lamp certainly had his share last night, I tell you what. Well, I mentioned last week late in the show uh, I'd be in Ripon this weekend for a wedding. And, oh, yeah, I showed up to Ripon. Showed up and showed out <laughs> as far as boozing goes. And I'm I'm still feeling it. I'm still feeling It's 1141 on Sunday night. I'm still feeling it. That's what happens when you get old. Uh, okay, so here's the thing, quick. I didn't know anyone at this wedding. It was for someone my wife works with. So I was like, well, shit, if I don't know anyone anyways, let's have a few. And I did. And they had... <laughs> They had, like, an obscene amount of wine at this wedding. Like, a gigantic, whole, huge table full of wine bottles. And it was just going down so well. I was like, shit, let's keep her going. And I did. And then we stopped at Quick Trip on our way back to the hotel. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I do want some beers for the room. So I bought some. I was really, man, I was was in the zone last night. I was feeling it. Now... I kind of, I, I wish I wasn't feeling it. I wish I wasn't so hot last night. I was on fire. Now I'm like, yeah, not so great. But Rippin' was cool. I do want to say quick, Rippin', cool place. Uh, want to give it a shout out. It was my first time there. Everyone we encountered in town was really nice. Everybody at the wedding, really good people there. So 
That was cool. It was cool being there. Yeah, for sure. Anywho, now that I've completely derailed already, let's get this show back on track by saying that Green Bay, with the win, improves to 3-1 and one on the season, good enough for a first-place tie in the NFC North with the Minnesota Vikings, who needed a double-doink miss from Saints kicker Will Lutz on the final play of the game to beat New Orleans 28-25 to in London, which is, as we know, where the Packers will be next week. More on that towards the end of the show. Vikings, of course, have the head-to-head tiebreaker with Green Bay at the moment. Chicago Bears dropped a 20-12 road decision to the New York Giants' Green Bay's opponent in London next week to fall to 2-2 on the year. And the Detroit Lions dipped to 1-3 after losing a 48-45 shootout to the Seattle Seahawks. That one was in Detroit. Yeah, we're at the quarter pole. The Lions, assuming they're right... (laughs) Rightful place at the bottom of the division. Things are starting to sort themselves out a little bit. Bears slipping a little bit. Lions, you see, it's all happening. It's all happening as expected. Before we get into the fun, and God, I hope you're having fun already. Seems impossible that you couldn't be having fun already. I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love or at the very least tolerate. Twitter, LempsMKE, at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts. Promise I'm going to start putting stuff up there again. I know I've been really slacking. I'm going to fix that. The email, oldbagofdonuts, olbagofdonuts at gmail.com. For anyone listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars. Me like you those the most. Four stars are good too. A comment. I got a positive comment last week from, uh, let me pull that up here. That was from, hold on. It was from 2687DFWFEN, and then there's an asterisk there. <laughs> but I won't read, I'm not going to read the whole comment, but they were very, they left a very nice comment about the show. I really appreciated that. That meant a lot. Um, and if you have, if you want to leave one of your own, that'd be great. Uh, we're on Spotify. You can find us by searching for Packers Talk and looking for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue, which sits outside Lambeau Field. I'd like to, again, urge you to leave a rating on Spotify. If you're following Packers Talk there, right near the top, there's a little um, set, a little box with a star, and you can click on it, and then you can leave your rating. Got a bunch last week, finally. That was awesome. Keep those coming. Again, five stars. Me like you those the most. We're on iHeartRadio. You can find us there uh, on that app. And if you listen on a platform I don't mention, of course, let me know. I'd love to hear it because I know there are some I don't mention. And just subscribe. Again, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna urge you to subscribe. Mash down mindlessly on that subscribe button, then we deliver the shit right to your phone. Right? You don't have to worry about where is it. You'll just wake up Monday morning, I'm there. And I won't tell anybody what's on your phone. Whatever you have, whatever apps you have or don't, I'm not gonna say anything. My lips are sealed. And I also want to give a special shout out to our wonderful sponsor, Ticket King. You can find all, you can go to their website for all your Packers ticket needs. That's theticketking.com. They're still not following me on Twitter. I don't know what I got to do to get them to follow me. Beg? I'm still too proud. I'm not going to do it. Is that what you want, Ticket King? Ticket King, if you're listening, follow me on Twitter. Come on. Let's do this. What are you waiting for, huh? Huh? Okay, now that we done got all that out the way... Let's go, let's dive right in, let's talk about this Packers dub. 
That's the best way to describe this dub, I think, with a quick whew right after that. Because man alive, did the Packers pull this one out by the hairs on their chinny-chin-chins. <laughs> Jeez Louise, good lordy. Playing a third-string quarterback most of the day. It just simply should not have been this close. It shouldn't. Bailey Zappi? I thought I saw them open for Soundgarden. Or was it Pearl Jam? Quite a few years back, that was an alt-rock band from the 1990s, right? That got kind of big, but not, like, super big? No? Oh, wait, that's New England's third-string quarterback? Oh, well, shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that has to be said again. This, this game should never have reached overtime. It just shouldn't have happened, but it did. And while all three units were responsible for that effing around, all three units also did just enough for Green Bay to come out victorious. And when I say just enough, I mean just enough. <laughs> Start with the offense. Woof. Woof, woof. What a turd of a first half that was from Aaron Rodgers. My goodness. 4 of 11 for 44 yards. He's missing guys all over the yard. Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, Randall Cobb. He's missing short ones to Aaron Jones. And it all culminated, of course, in just the fourth pick six of Rodgers' career, which is completely insane, when rookie Jack Jones jumped an out route to Lazard and took it down the sidelines to the house for the 40-yard score with just 13 seconds left in the first half. You know, this, this, there's no other way to say it. It was just a really, it was really a rotten pass by Rodgers on that, you know? Hold on, let me move my chair here quick. There we go. Just a really rotten pass by Rodgers on that, you know? I mean, I can't say it another way, even if Tony Romo was trying to defend him. But, you know, the QB fraternity, you know, you expect Romo to do that. I mean, they got booed as a team coming off the field, going into the locker room at the half. I suspect... If I was if I was a betting man, I would I would bet that most of those boos were aimed at Aaron Rodgers. And I mean, really, how can you blame them? He was terrible. Probably not high, probably not happy with the offense as a whole, you know, not running the ball enough either. But uh, more on that in a minute. But yeah, Rodgers, he just stunk. But I'll tell you what, he did what the great ones do, you know. Whatever happened at halftime, hey, who knows? But Rodgers came out a completely different player in the second half in overtime. Wow. Wow, did he turn it around. As bad as he was in the first half, that's how brilliant he was the rest of the way, right? I mean, Rodgers, 4 of 11 for 44 yards and a pick in the first half. He finishes 21 of 35 for 251, two touchdowns, and one pick. His yards per attempt at the half was 4. He finishes at 7.2. That alone shows you how much he raised his play in that second half in overtime, the rest of the way, you know? I mean, and right away, first drive, you know, right away you could see, first drive of the, of the third quarter, first possession for either team, third and 10 at the Green Bay 19, there's Rodgers, floating a beauty down the sideline to Lazard, who makes an amazing catch, despite being interfered with, a season-long gain of 32 yards on that play. So right there, you can see it, and then he closes out the drive, slinging a perfect dart to tight end Robert Tunyon down the seam in the end zone for the score. PAT good, 14-10 Packers, 9-20 to go in the third. Really great stuff from Rodgers before the throw, right? Looking the safety off before coming back to Tunyon. And then, of course, again, he throws a perfect dart down the seam for that. Great stuff. Great stuff from Rodgers. And, and then that just continued, you know, throughout the rest of the game. He's throwing a dart to Lazard on the RPO over the middle for 19. 
Floats a beauty to Cobb coming across for a gain of 24. Uh, then he, you know, throws his 500th career touchdown pass. A perfect back shoulder fade to rookie Romeo Dobbs in the end zone. That's And that was just, you know, the rest of regulation. He does more great work in the, in the, in the overtime with the RPO to Lazard. Pick up a 22. Nice work by Lazard to get open on the comeback there. Um, he's going on the play action to Cobb for 11. That got him into New England territory on the game-winning drive. So just, you know, and those are just a bunch of examples. He was great, you know. He just really, he raised his game up a few notches in the second half. Again, that's what the great ones do. That's why he's a four-time MVP. He's able to shake off a terrible first half. So awesome. Great stuff from Rodgers on that. You know what else helped? Getting Aaron Jones a damn ball. In fact, that was kind of a fun trend to follow really throughout the game. And it really, it didn't really sink in for me until I was compiling stats after for the show. You guys ready for this? Here you go. On the five scoring drives for the Packers in this one, three touchdowns, two field goals, of course, Aaron Jones carries the ball 12 times for 84 yards. Toss in one catch for one yard. On the five scoring drives now, 13 touches for 85 yards for Showtime 33. On the seven non-scoring drives, at seven because I'm not counting the drives right at the end of the first half or the one at the end of the fourth quarter because those weren't real possessions. So these seven other drives that Green Bay did not score on. You ready for this, Jones? Four carries, 26 yards, two catches, four yards. So in seven non-scoring drives, six touches for 30 yards. Are you seeing the trend here? Jonesy's getting involved. The Packers are putting points on the board. He's not, and they're not. That's not an accident. Thought he looked particularly explosive in this one, too. I mean, he's always explosive, but it felt like it went up a notch with him in this one. I don't know what the reason being back at home or whatever, but he was great. Great stuff from him. Uh, and I want to credit his backfield running mate, A.J. Dillon. Some really tough, hammering, punishing runs from him on that drive uh, in overtime, the, the game-winning drive. Six carries for 24 yards on that drive. You know, kept the offense moving, just kept pushing and pushing and getting him into Crosby's range. You know, he's like all these big backs. He gets better as he gets more carries, as he gets going. Well, shit, man, a semi-truck isn't going to get up to 70 miles an hour right away. It takes a second. That's A.J. Dillon. He's an 18-wheeler, man. you got to feed him the rock and let him get going. Run the offense through the backs. This isn't that complicated. Uh... Uh, you know, uh, getting the running backs involved, as we know, is crucial for the Packers' offense to have success. The Patriots, especially once Zappy entered the game, I didn't think I'd be saying the name Bailey Zappy when I woke up today. Uh, once Zappy entered the game, it was clear the Patriots wanted to get their running backs involved. And boy, did they... I mean, I think that was the plan anyways, you know, with Hoyer starting. But man, especially when Zappy came in, holy shit. They wanted to get those backs involved, and they did which is not a great sign for the Packers' defense. Was that a, that was a decent, was that like a B-level transition from talking about the offense to the defense? B, maybe, if you were a tough grader, you might say B minus, I'd say B. Anyways, after showing major improvement against Tampa Bay last week, the Packers' run defense totally and completely regressed Sunday, looking much more like it did in its putrid showing against Chicago in Week 2. The stats for Patriots running backs Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson 
Harris finishing with 18 carries for 86 yards. Stevenson with 14 totes for 66 yards and a touchdown for Harris as well. So that's 32 carries for 152 yards. I'll say that again. 32 for 152 and a score from the main two Patriots backs. Uh, you know, they just gashed Green Bay. The Pats O-line was a big reason for that too, of course, as they were just punishing Green Bay's front seven, just pushing them around for most of the day. They were just much more physical than the Packers were. There's just no other way to say that. And this, look, that shouldn't happen, man. First of all, there's too much talent. There's just too much talent in this front seven for that to happen twice now in the first four weeks of the year. That's ridiculous. And that's especially true against a third-string quarterback where you know New England will want to run the ball, control the clock, and not put Zappi in too many dangerous situations. Like, Everyone knew the run was coming. The Packers defenders knew it was coming, I'm sure, and yet they did nothing to stop it for large chunks of the day. That's just not good enough. It's not. It's unacceptable. There's no other way to say that. Now, I will say this. The run D, and really the defense as a whole, was much better down the stretch, forcing three three three-and-outs in a row to close the game following New England's touchdown that made a 24-17 pass early in the fourth. They Look, they did enough. They did enough, right? And while the run D was struggling most of the day, the pass rush, I thought, was consistently very good. Sacking Pat's QBs four times, Zappi three times, starter Brian Hoyer once. And hitting them a total of seven times. That's good That's good output from your pass rushers. And when we're talking about Packers pass rushers, of course, the star of the show, my man, your man, our man, everyone's man, Rashawn Gary. What a freaking performance from Rashawn Gary in this one. Again, uh, two sacks, seven tackles, four solo, one tackle for loss, two quarterback hits. Again, with Gary, the stats only tell part of the story. Beast! He was just a beast! Flying off the edges in this one. Oh, man. And both of his sacks were impressive. The second one of those really stood out. Late first half, Pats just outside the red zone. Gary flying off the right edge, sack zappy. Knocks the ball loose and recovers it. The trifecta. Sack, force fumble, fumble recovery. You don't see that that often. That was incredible, you know? Green Bay ball, great stuff from him. And really, he almost had more. Jerron Reed's fourth quarter sack, that play was, I don't want to take anything away from Reed because that was great work from him on that, but that was kind of started by Gary. He almost had Zappy, kind of had him off balance, and then Reed came in to finish him off. So great work from those two, but, you know, kind of started by Gary on that. Then it wasn't just the sacks, right? He's generating pressure after pressure, completely disrupting what New England wanted to do time and time again. Made plays elsewhere, too. Mid-second quarter, third and 12, the New England 36. He drops Stevenson after a short gain on a screen. That was, I thought, an impressive play from Gary, forcing a punt. You just notice him everywhere, as has been the case all season. Last week, I talked about Gary establishing himself with guys like T.J. Watt, and Miles Garrett as, like, the best pass rushers in the league. But I think after watching today, I really feel like, and kind of looking at his season as well, I think we go a step beyond that now. And we say he's one of the best defensive players in the league, period, at any position. Absolutely. We can say that now. I don't think that's, that's not hyperbole, you know? Am I still kicking myself that I didn't throw some money down at him plus 7,000? Of course I am. You know I am. 
My former Old Bag of Donuts podcast co-host Adam Summers tweeted at me during the game that he dropped, I think it was 20 last week on Gary, but it's already it's already down to plus 2,500. So Vegas thinks his odds are improving. I should have done it. I should have done it. I'll tell you what, Gary, he's he's eligible for an extension after the season, I think. Yeah, it's year three for him, right? 19. Is this year four? He's eligible for an extension, I know. I, I tell you what. Holy shit. If you thought Jaws' extension was big, Gary's is gonna Gary's might blow that out of the water. He's gonna easily clear a hundred million if he stays healthy on this extension. Oh yeah. I don't even know how much in guaranteed money. They may have to have another stock sale just to pay for Gary's extension. Yeah. But it'd be worth it. Um speaking of opening the checkbook, the Packers already opened the checkbook for Rich Bisaccia. That's a solid transition, Chris. Kind of on a roll now, that's like a B plus transition. And while we saw progress from Bisaccia's groups the first three weeks, it did feel like his units kind of took a step back in this one. The coverage units, I thought, struggled. Now, Marcus Jones, I'll tell you what. That kid, Marcus Jones, he is a hell of a returner. Oh, my God. He averaged 27.8 yards per return on four kick returns, 24.5 yards on two punt returns. That's a, I mean, that's crazy. What is that, 100, 160 return yards and six returns? For Jones, kicks and punts. He's, he's a special returner, you can tell. Uh, but the coverage unit struggled there, you know. And reigning NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, Pat O'Donnell, probably not going to be a repeat winner there. Didn't hit the ball quite as well in this one as he did in Tampa, I thought. Not quite as consistent. But then, again, in keeping with the did just enough to win, B's and C's get degrees play from the Packers, the special teams came up with a monster play late as a really good O'Donnell punt, one of the really good ones, was down by corner Kayshawn Nixon at the New England two-yard line. That was a huge play. Like, you can't overstate how big that play was. That essentially allowed Green Bay to drag the game into overtime, where Mason Crosby would eventually hit the game winner from 31 31 yards out. There we go, which I always love to see. I know we all do. We all love Crosby. I talk about Crosby all the time on the show. It's not always glowing. But I always talk about how much I'm rooting for him. I know we all are. I mean, he's been the kicker now since 2007. Again, I, I always talk about I was a senior. I was starting my last semester in college. His rookie year, right? I'm going to be 41 next week. I'm married with two kids. Like, I've lived so much of my life. We all have with Mason Crosby as the Packers kicker. So throughout all the ups and downs, we're always rooting for him. So when he gets a moment like that, you love, you love to see Mason happy. Right? Because he has been there for a lot of big moments. And it's nice to see him get another one. Okay, so that's just about uh, my portion of the show. I ask people to submit questions on Twitter, email, Facebook, all that good stuff. Um, and you did not disappoint. So let's start with Twitter. Hang on one second here. All right. These are in no particular order. First question comes from Javier Cabrera at Cabrera 24 Javier writes, the rookies both getting touchdowns today. What do you think of their progress? And what about Randall Cobb? Tony Romo even mentioned how great he looks. Yeah, Javier, the rookies, you know, let's start let's start with Christian Watson. Nice, nice play on the 15-yard end around, coming in motion, taking the snap. He hit that edge on that rushing touchdown, and he was gone. You know? You could you could really I mean, that's everything. That's all the good stuff. I've obviously been critical of that pick. Still am nervous about it. But all the good things he brings to the table, you saw in that. The height, weight, speed, the explosion, the it was all there. 
So that was great to see from Watson, of course. And, I mean, again, that's about as much as they trust him at this point as end arounds and jet sweeps. But I love that play call from LaFleur there because, you know, even if you don't trust him downfield yet, again, and they clearly don't, you still you still have to find ways to get the ball in his hands, you know, to let him do the positive things he can do, right? Again, height, weight, speed, explosion. And that end around, that's a great that was a great way to to utilize what he brings to the table. So it was a great play call, and it was nice work from Watson. Nice to see him get a touchdown, obviously, after what's been a tough start for him. Um, Dobbs. Yeah, Dobbs, I mean, Dobbs just continues to progress. He continues to impress me. Now, his stat line, five catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown, is not going to jump off the page at anybody. But here's what I like from Dobbs, right? Because I always say stats only tell you so much. Here's what I like from Dobbs. The kid just keeps battling. You can tell already he's got that mental toughness that you're looking for, you know, from your top receivers, your big guns, right? He fumbles that ball early in the game, and he comes, but he comes back, right? He's making plays. He does nice work to catch the back shoulder fade from Rodgers for the touchdown Again, Rodgers is 500th overall for his career. You know, so you see that. That's great. And then... And then... Right? He catches the touchdown, so he bounces back. But then, late in the game, he catches... I want to talk about his touchdown catch quick. That I thought should have been a touchdown. The play that, of course, was ruled incomplete with just over two minutes to go in the game. In regulation. I, I Well, how do we not know what a catch is still? That was a catch. He caught the ball. He was past the plane. His knee was down. His elbow was down. And then the ball comes out. How is that not a touchdown? If a running back jumps over the pile and sticks the ball out, once it crosses the plane, it's a touchdown. If, like, a linebacker comes in and smacks the ball out of the running back's hand, it doesn't matter. The running back didn't have to go all doesn't have to go all the way over to the pile and down to the ground and roll over and pop up with the ball. He just has to cross the plane with it. Why is that not the same thing for wide receivers? That's a t- I don't care what anybody says. I don't give a shit. That was a fucking touchdown. That was ridiculous. The referees the officiating was very bad in this. Now, now that's not the referees specific. That's a rule that I hate because that should be a touchdown. Of course there was the <laughs> the delay of game. New England had three extra seconds. The play clock in the end zone was already at 39 seconds for the next set when they snapped it. So a bad interpretation, an interpretation of a bad rule and a terrible, not great officiating today. I'll just say that. Sorry about that, Javier. Back to your question. Back to what I'm saying about Dobbs. Dobbs, so right, he has the fumble, but then he comes back, makes some plays, catches the touchdown. Then he, he drops what would have been a huge touchdown from Rodgers. But it doesn't get him down. He comes back in the overtime on the final drive, right? He catches those two short passes, and that's some nice yak. Got Green Bay fully and officially into Crosby's range. So that's what I love about Dobbs. You can see he's got that mental toughness. Like, he's going to make mistakes as a rookie. But he's showing he can bounce back from that. Now it's just about stringing those successes together. But I think the sky is the limit for this kid. I, I came away... More impressed with his performance today than any of his previous three. Which is weird because, right, he has the fumble and the big the play that he can't complete the catch on. But the way he was able to bounce back really impressed me. So I, I love those uh, 
You know, I really love where he's at. And Randall Cobb, you're right. Cobb just, I, I kind of can't believe Randall Cobb is still making big plays. But he is. Three catches for 42 yards. Talked about some of his big grabs earlier. He does look great. And Romo's right. He looks, does he look quicker? He does. I don't know. But he somehow is figuring out a way to outlast Father Time a little longer, I guess. He's been incredibly valuable. And on big, you know, big downs, third downs, you know Rodgers is looking for him. Because he's the guy Rodgers still trusts the most. So, yeah. Yeah, I hope that answered your question. Next one comes from the aforementioned Adam Summers, Brew Crewer at A Summers underscore time, my former Old Bag of Donuts podcast co-host, bestest friend in the world. He says, only Crosby gets to celebrate tonight. And maybe Gary. End of list. Enjoy that London plane ride. Okay, well, buddy, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Um, certainly Crosby and Gary, but I think a lot. I think Aaron Jones deserves to celebrate. I think Dylan. I think Rogers gets like a half celebration tonight for his second half and overtime performance. Uh, I haven't mentioned Alan Lazard. I mentioned some of the plays he made. But I thought Alan Lazard was great today. Six catches, 116 yards. Thought he was awesome. Thought he looked really good making plays downfield. Yeah. Made the one catch I mentioned, the aforementioned catch, to start the third where he was blatantly interfered with. Thought Lazard was great, you know? Uh, so I, I don't know if I agree there. I think a few guys deserve to celebrate after this one. But yeah, that London that London, that London plane ride will be fun. That's for sure. Um, For them, not for me. I'm not going. Our next one comes from Brad Artman, at Brad Artman. He writes, well, I know we need to give our wide receivers some time. I can't help but think maybe it might be time to go get a legit vet through free agency, Fuller, second of Will Fuller, or perhaps via trade. Rumor Mill says DJ Moore wants out of Carolina. Thoughts? Um, I You know, Brad, I don't even know when is the trade deadline this year. I should look that up. I should. Simulating. So the trade deadline isn't until November 1st. So I would say, I'm going to say it's not time yet. I see what you're saying. Certainly a guy like Will Fuller you know, would bring that speed element that a guy like Watson brings, but obviously Fuller is much more experienced and wouldn't cost you anything in a trade. So I understand that, and um, I understand that take. And yeah, you know, DJ Moore is obviously a fantastic receiver. I don't know what his contract looks like. I haven't really read anything about rumors yet or anything, but I mean, yeah, if you want it out and you could somehow make the money work, that would certainly be intriguing. But I'm going to say it's not time for that yet. The trade deadline is not until November 1st, as I just learned. So I'm going to say let's give this a couple more weeks and see where this group is at before I, I can say it's time to explore that. Right now I'm going to say hold. Let's stick with what we got for now. Final question for the Twitter bag comes from Green Bay Dave at Whiskey DR. He asks, why the fuck did they abandon the run in the second quarter? I don't know. But it, it it's not an accident that as soon as they did, the offense kind of looked like shit. I mean, it didn't look good in the first half overall, but I felt like, in, especially as the half went on, it looked worse and worse, and that's because they abandoned that run. They get away from it. I don't know why. You know? I sometimes think Aaron Rodgers thinks running the ball a lot's like, like weirdly beneath him. I don't know if LaFleur thinks that way, but I definitely kind of thought that with Rodgers forever now. <laughs> so I don't know why they did, but they did, and it stunk. You know, I talked about earlier, the five scoring drives, Aaron Jones is heavily involved. The seven non-scoring drives, not. These things are not accidents. 
That's not like a clever stat I pulled out of my ass. That's That legitimately all ties in together. For sure. So thank you for that, Dave. We go to the emails now. Have a few of these. We'll start with Kyle, who refuses to get Twitter, Kyle Terpenning, he writes, I have some very serious questions about the coaching staff, especially LaFleur. I just do not think he can game plan properly. I do not see him able to adjust the game. Running so effectively and then to just abandon it? I had serious questions about him after the playoff loss and his inability to adjust them, and it's not gotten better since. I know Belichick is on the level of Lombardi, but seriously, this game should not have been that close. I also very much question Barry as defensive coordinator, but at least our defensive players can get it done when everything is on the line. I will admit I was one that doubted Gary when we drafted him. That doubt is so far gone in the rearview mirror. Our special teams seem to take a step back today, but managed to correct themselves and find a way to make plays when it mattered most. The heart of this team is the defense, and I think that, hopefully, they will improve even further. I know I'm kind of all over the place with this email. I'm just a little annoyed that it came to a last-second field goal at the end of OT to get the win. But anyways, go Paco. All right. So a lot to unpack there. I like that, though. I like that, that you guys and, and gals send me these, like, long emails, you know? like some And Twitter stuff, too. I, I don't mind that. That's fine. I, I, it's a lot, if it's a lot to unpack, I can unpack it. I don't. That's cool. We got time here. Um... I get paid by the by the minute. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm just kidding. Um, so where should we start here? Okay, your questions about Lafleur. Here's the thing. I I kind of agree. I think he game plans well. I said last week. I actually think that's one of his strengths is game planning. His problem is the other half of what you said. He's not really able to adjust. Although I thought they did a little better today. You know. It felt like they got Jones involved a little more in that second half. That's when the offense started to have more success. They got Dylan involved more, and over time they made him a real factor. They got back to the ground stuff. I feel like he adjusted a little bit better today, but I agree that those concerns still exist. Um, yeah, Belichick, I thought that first half, I thought Belichick just kind of smoked him a little bit. It's kind of a coaching master class, you know, and, and how to, to – you know, stay competitive in a game where you don't have nearly as much talent. So, uh, yeah, you're right about that. I mean, I think Belichick was just was just really on his game coming into this one. Uh, Barry, yeah, you know, the defense overall hasn't been, I mean, what we thought they'd be. You know, we had really high expectations for this group, and rightfully so, and they've shown us that in flashes, more on that towards the end of the show, but overall, yeah. It's been a little bit lacking, for sure, from what we thought it would be and what we we knew it could be. Um, talk about Gary. Yeah, you know, I talked about this on Twitter this week. I liked, I didn't have a problem with the Gary pick. It wasn't who I was hoping they'd take. I was on the Jonah Williams trade, Jonah Williams train, the Alabama offensive lineman, but he went to Cincinnati one pick before. So when they took Gary, I didn't hate it. It wasn't what I would have done. You know, I mean, obviously we all knew how much raw potential he had and the, and the Raz score and all that stuff, but the production wasn't really there at Michigan. You know, I think I called it a home run swing on Twitter at the time. Uh, I don't remember if I did a pod after that. I don't think, I, maybe I did. I think I did. Either way, on Twitter, I remember calling it a home run swing and saying he was a real raw ball of clay 
and it had major boomer bust potential, but if you connected on the home run swing, it'd be a grand slam. And that's exactly what he's been. So I didn't have a big problem with it. Um, uh, yeah. So there you go. I hope that answered your question. I, again, I appreciate it. All right. Next one comes from, uh, hold on. Comes from Sean. He writes lamps, another gritty win. Thought we would beat up on a third-string quarterback-led team a lot more than that, but oh well. Rodgers looked like complete trash the first half, but turned it around. Jenkins didn't look good at all. Did he hurry back from injury too quickly? Dobbs is going to be very, very good. I can deal with him making small mistakes because his ceiling appears so high. I am shocked that Amari Rodgers can't find the field on offense. Seems like a real wasted pick at this point. It will be weird to watch football early in the morning next Sunday. All right, a lot of great stuff here, Sean. Thanks for writing in. Again, don't be a stranger. Um, let's talk about Jenkins. Yeah, I haven't mentioned, Elton Jenkins did not look good. This was not a day for him to write home about. That is for sure. He stunk. <laughs> now, Matthew Juden, Judon, Juden, he, the outside line, the edge guy for New England, he's one of the best edge rushers in the league. He's very underrated. I don't think he gets his due nationally. He's an excellent, excellent pass rusher. And he was, I mean, he was handing Jenkins <laughs> his ass today. There's no question about that. Um, I'm starting to wonder if he didn't rush back too soon. Yeah. I kind of think that might be the case because he's had his moments, but he's also struggled quite a bit, you know? Yeah, I do kind of wonder if he didn't push it to get, if he didn't push it a little too far, a little too fast. Yeah, I'm definitely starting to wonder that because he's not the Jenkins we know. He's not the Jenkins that we've seen. It's frustrating. Um, starting to wonder if they shouldn't move him back to guard. You know, and that and and try Yash at right tackle. I don't know. Oh, uh, you're right about Dobbs. I agree. I think he's going to be really, really good. I'm higher on him now after a five catch, 47 yard performance, or whatever it was, than I have been at any other point because I just again I'm I'm so impressed by how he's bounced back from these mistakes. You know, a lot of rookies they make a mistake like that fumble early in the game, they go into a shell. That's it. But he is a fighter, and I love that. And you combine that with his talent. How could he not succeed? So it's coming, definitely. Um, and you're right about Rodgers. You know, it's really surprising. I think Cobb's presence probably doesn't help anything. Nobody wants to really admit that, I don't think. But I think Rodgers, you know. What did he say a couple weeks ago? He's returning punts for us, and that's all I have on that. I I, I don't I don't know another way to say this. Cobb is Rodgers' boy, right? They're, they're best buddies. They drafted Rodgers essentially to play the Randall Cobb role. But I don't really think Rodgers... I think Rodgers wants Randall Cobb to play the Randall Cobb role. So, I think some of him being kind of frozen out is probably due to Aaron Rodgers and his friendship with Randall Cobb. But again, like I said, Cobb is, is making plays, so you can't really knock that. Totally. But, it would, I mean, it would be nice to see Amari get on the field in some, one, some way, if they could find something for him. I feel like he's too talented for them not to find some role for him. I thought he looked good in the preseason. Showed some signs of maybe taking a little jump. So, yeah, I'm kind of all over the place. on, But I agree, it's, it is shocking, yeah. And it does kind of feel like a wasted pick, you're right. I mean, they, we were so excited when they traded up to take him in the third round, and this hasn't happened yet. I don't know, and I don't know if it's going to as long as Cobb is there. And yeah, it's going to be weird to watch football. Yeah, it's going to be very strange, very strange. Yeah, more on that towards the end of the show. Um, our next one comes from Clown Convention. 
That's how they signed their emails. Clown He signed it. It was Clown Convention. So that's what I'm going to call him. He writes, Between Amari fielding the grounder punt and Cobb's lateral at the end of re regulation, I barely survived to see Crosby win it. But I'll take the win. Lots of sloppiness to clean up. Most notably, pass defense against crossing routes. Even rooks in their first game can make throws to, to guys that open. At first I was against it, but it might be time to move Elton back to guard and try Yash at right tackle. The show has become a must-listen for me after games. Clown Convention, thank you for saying that. That really means a lot that I've become a must-listen for you. I really appreciate that. Gotten that from a few people lately. That really, I just want to take it that means a lot to me. <laughs> like, it's all fun and games here, and you know, but like, it really does mean a lot that you guys take the time to listen. Because you could do anything. You could be listening to anyone or anything. There's a lot of Packer podcasts. Some are good. Some are shit. <laughs> but you choose to listen to me, and I just want you all to know that that does mean a lot. So thank you, Clown Convention. Um, yeah, you're right. There were definitely some 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 heart attack moments in this one. No question. Uh, yeah, the, the the past events against the crossing routes. I mean, there were so many guys wide open. The zone defense. They're just taking advantage of the zone defense, these guys. And, I, you know, I don't want to go into that too much because I feel like I've done that a lot. But, like, Joe Barry, I don't know what he's, I don't know what he calls on some of these pass plays. I don't know what this zone stuff is. I don't like it. Not a fan of it. But, yeah, you're right about Elton. And, and I just touched on that a minute ago. I, agree, I think it's time to move Elton back to left guard. Like, he is so versatile, it's incredible. And we all marvel at it. And certainly I've talked about it a lot on the show. Oop, burp, gotta keep it real. The guy can play anywhere on the offensive line and do well. But I think we've, and I think the Packers coaching staff has maybe gotten a little too caught up in that. Instead of just like, yeah, he could play right tackle. He could be like a 9 at right tackle, but he's a 10 at left guard. So put him at left guard then. I'm starting to think it's time to just do that. And yeah, let's try Yash at right tackle. Why not? I think the offensive line for this team if I was to script it, would be Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Yash. Yeah. That's what I think it probably should be. Yeah, Bach, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Yash. With Newman as a super reserve and Tom as a super reserve. and You know what I mean? You feel good about that offensive line. Definitely. Will they do it? Who knows? But I, I think it's time. I agree. So yeah, hope that answered your questions on that. Our next one comes from the other Kyle. Kyle, who used to have Twitter, got rid of it, got it again, and got rid of it again. He titles his email, Lemp's talking Zappa Dappa Doo. <laughs> Zappy Dappa Doo. <laughs> hey Chris, lurked on Twitter, saw another question asking if a veteran wide receiver is needed. Gotta say, I feel like the room is fine, especially with Matt LaFleur scheming. And we, Rogers, just need to accept there will be some lumps. Speaking of lumps, was quarter three slash quarter four last week and quarter one, quarter two this week one of the worst 60-minute stretches of QB1's career? What other ones do you think were worse? Spe special team stats. New England had a kickoff return average of 27.8, would be good for third highest in the league, and a punt return average of 24.5 would be the highest in the league. Marcus Jones is a special talent, but damn, this unit still has a ways to go. Would you make any changes on the offensive line going into next week? A lot to unpack here. Thanks, and as always, go Pack Go. 
from one Kyle to the next. There we go. The Kyles always show up and show out. They're like me at a wedding reception in Ripon. They're going to show up and show out. Um, okay. Yeah, I, you know, like I, like I answered uh, a while ago, I, I'm going to hold on making any moves at wide receiver for now. Let's give this a couple more weeks and see where we're at after that. Let's, let's give it next week and after the Jets game and let's see where we're at at that point. Right, because that'll be six games. At that point, maybe, you know, you'll have a better idea if they should stand pat or if they should make a move there. Um, That's an interesting question about quarter three, quarter four, la- the second half last week and the first half this week being one of the worst 60-minute stretches. I mean, it's up there. I didn't combine the stats, but it's up there. If you did, I'm sure it was fucking terrible, <laughs> that 60-minute stretch. Um. He's had some stretches. You know, 2015, he had some stretches. That was the year Jordy blew his knee out. He had some stretches where he struggled pretty bad in that year. Um, and I feel like 2016, he struggled quite a bit leading up. I mean, 2016, we always think of the run-the-table stretch, where he was, that's arguably the best quarterback play you could ever see in your life. That stretch from the start of that to the NFC Championship, to the... Well, let's say to beating Dallas in the divisional round. Um, but I feel like early in that season, he struggled a little bit, too. He's had some stretches. That 2015-2016, he was not great. And then there were some stretches in that first year with Lafleur. he was not great either. Um, but I would think that 60 minutes, yeah, second half last week, for half, first half this week, has to be up there with the worst 60-minute stretches. Absolutely. Yeah, he was terrible. <laughs> no question. Um... And yeah, you're right. I talked about it earlier with the special teams. They've got a ways to go. The Jones kid is great. You called him a special talent. I agree. But, you know, they made plays when it mattered most. But yes, there's still... I think we got a little... And I'm guilty of this as much as anybody. Got ahead of ourselves after three good games. <laughs> special teams... <laughs> now, granted, we have the par set so goddamn low. But we maybe got a little ahead of our skis. Right? And it's still a work in progress, and there's going to be ups and downs. But they're they're moving in the right direction. I think we can all say that. Would I make any changes on the offensive line? Yeah, I would. I would move, like I said, I would move Jenkins to left guard. And I would move Yash to right tackle. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd move Yash to right tackle. And if that didn't work, I'd probably um, try Zach Tom over at right tackle. Yeah. That would that would be my move there, or try Zach Tom inside at right guard and have, well no because you would have it would be Bach Myers, Bach Jenkins Myers Runyon so let's say Yash and then I would have Tom at the ready if Yash struggled at right tackle, that would be that would be what I would do definitely, and then Brad I do want to say quick Brad Artman who sent in a question on Twitter about my mic, um said that he was one of the ones who, as I mentioned on the show, that people, sometimes I'll see like I have seven Twitter replies, but I only see five. And I guess Brad was one of the ones who said, I'm so glad you got your settings figured out, Brad, so now I can see your questions. That's great. That's good stuff. And thank you for saying you love the show. I really appreciate that. So we're all those were all the emails. Then I have one more. One more here from Sean LaFond who sent this via Facebook Messenger, which you can submit me questions there as well. <laughs> In the first quarter, I took a Tums. At halftime, I had some Pepto-Bismol. 
Third quarter, I was on to the Prilosec, and now I have a full-blown ulcer as bad as the Hitman in Dumb and Dumber. A win is a win, but that was one of the ugliest ever. Do you think the Raiders will trade us Devontae Adams for Rich Bisaccia? LOL. That's a great question. As bad as the Hitman in Dumb and Dumber. I love when he immediately keels over at the table, and Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels think it's from the Peppers or whatever, and they just immediately lean over and get in his face, and they're like, ah! They're like mocking him and laughing at him, but they don't realize at first that he's actually dying. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I love it. Um, yeah, it was ugly. You're right. I mean, it was ugly. It was Again, it should have never gotten that close. It should have never been that close, but that's what happened. Do you think the Raiders will trade us Devontae for Rich? That's funny. That is funny. I think I'd... I don't know. Would I rather have a, a really good special teams or Devontae Adams? That's an interesting question. An interesting, like, if you could only pick one, would you rather have Devontae back or guarantee that the special teams will be good? I think I'd rather have their special teams. Yeah. As crazy as that might sound. Okay. So... Hold on a second here. Ooh, here we go. All right, so those are all the questions. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions and comments. Of course, it's always appreciated. I love it. Okay, big picture time now. 48 and a half minutes in. We've reached essentially the quarter pole for the 2022 Green Bay Packers season, and that's always a good time to take stock of where a team is at. If there is a word to describe these current Packers four games in, that word would be flashes. As in, these Packers show us in flashes just how great they could be. And unfortunately, we've also seen plenty of flashes to illuminate just how average they can be. Offensively, for every second quarter against Chicago or first two drives against Tampa Bay or second half against New England... There are just as many long stretches where, you, where seemingly nothing happens. The play calling is suspect. They forget to run the ball. Rodgers is off. You name it. It's happened. Regardless of the culprit, what ultimately happens is the offense jogging off the field almost as quickly as they ran on. Defensively, they've given up points on every opening drive this season. The run defense has been ripped apart far too often for a team with this much capital invested in its front seven. The pass defense has mostly rebounded from its brutal week one, but then Justin Fields, Tom Brady without his top three targets, and Bailey Zappi ain't exactly a murderer's row either. The pass rush, however, has mostly been quite good, and with stars like Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark turning in dominating seasons thus far, that figures to continue. And that unit has found a way to get the job done when it mattered most each of the last two weeks, indeed a big part of being a championship-level defense. Hopefully, the other areas of that group can catch up. Special teams had been showing marked improvement, but Sunday was a reminder that they still have a ways to go. Put it all together, and you continue to see a Packers team struggling to collectively hit that last gear, that final gear that has avoided them throughout the Matt LaFleur era. The one that will take them from really good to champions. They have given us glimpses through four games that they could maybe become that team. But those flashes have been just fleeting enough to leave you with that sinking feeling that maybe they won't. 
Okay, so that just about wraps up this episode of Lem's Talk and Pack. I hope you all had as much fun listening as I did recording it. It's always a blast, right? Even if it's a close win that you pull out by the skin of your butt cheeks, it's close. It's fun, right? It's good times. We look ahead to next week now. The Packers will be back in action as they travel to jolly out London for a game against the New York Giants. That one will be at 8.30 a.m. Lambeau time. Christ on a dump truck, 8.30 a.m. on a Sunday at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. That one will be on NFL Network. <laughs> All right. He didn't think I wasn't going to do the accent. The Giants are one of the most surprising teams in the league thus far after a 3-1 and start after beating Chicago Sunday. I got to say, I didn't see that coming before the season started. Did anybody see the Giants being 3-1 and four games in? I didn't see it. But, you know, good work for them. Good, you know, they played well. Uh, the London game, it should be fun. It's kind of a it's, it's kind of a mini Super Bowl, right? As far as distractions go and everything else goes, you know. It's it's an interesting test for a team to go over there. So hopefully the Packers can stay focused and come out of there with a win. It's a work trip. So don't spend too much time in the pub with too many pints of lager. You know? It's just get the win. Because, again, the Giants are better than anyone expected, so they can't be taken lightly. But, yeah, you know, first time Green Bay is going to be there, I'm excited. So many Packer fans are in the U.K. and throughout Europe. I'm happy they're going to get a game of their own to go to. Because these people, I'll tell you what, they lock some seriously weird hours watching this team. You think about it. If they're watching a set, if we're watching a 7:20 Sunday night kickoff, it's 1:20 for them. So they're up from 1:20 a.m. to 4:30. That's dedication. You got to respect that. So I'm glad they're getting a game of their own to go to. That's cool. Uh, and for any Packers fans making the trip, traveling to London, just know you are incredibly lucky, and we're all jealous. Those of us who can't make the trip. And I promise, I'm not going to do the accent too much on the show next week. Maybe just a little bit. Right? I'm not going to be eating fish and chips. I'm not it's. I'm not going to be one of those guys. I'm going to. I'm not going to do too much. And of course, I'll be back to recap that one next Sunday night, win, lose, or draw. Monday morning, when you'll finally hear it, it'll basically be my birthday episode. As I mentioned earlier, I turn 41 next Monday, October 10th. Um, share a birthday with Brett Favre. That used to be a lot cooler than it is now. I'll just say that. Uh, yeah, last year turning 40, that was a big deal. No one gives a shit about 41. They don't. I'll just be honest. No one cares. But it's so cool for me, damn it. So keep your eyes and your ears out for that episode. And yes, I'll keep you posted. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you. I love you. I love you. Please stay safe out there in this crazy world. And remember, always and forever, go Pack. Go.